Jesus told Peter, get behind me, Satan, because it's Satan who wants us to believe that message. The message that you deserve only to have comforts and praise. Satan desires that believers, at the first sign of trouble in following Christ, will shrink back and will no longer confess him or follow him. Satan desires that believers will think following Christ is only about happiness and, and when things strike, like it did for men like Job, that we fall back and curse God and turn aside from following him. That's why this rebuke of Jesus is so necessary, not only for the false teachers of today, but for ourselves when we begin to think that following Christ cannot and should not involve suffering or we turn aside because of suffering. But it doesn't end in shame. It ends in life and in glory with our Lord. This message is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona. Ancient faith for today's world. February 25th, 2024. Mark 8, 31 to 39. Sometimes somebody can face a lot of embarrassment or maybe shame because of their job situation. Maybe it's because they lost their job or maybe it's because they don't like the job they have. In fact, that's probably why you see so many different movies or TV shows about someone who gets a job. And you'll, you'll see those Hallmark-type films where a man loses his job just before Christmas, but he, he doesn't want to tell anybody. He's too ashamed to admit it. In fact, you can see this type of thing played out. In some places, it's, it's really a, a severe stigma to lose your job. In places like Japan, numerous articles report how people will pretend they still have a job, even if they don't. They'll hop on the subway, they'll put on their suit, and they won't tell anyone because there's such shame in having a lack of employment. I'm sure you've maybe experienced what it's like to have a job less than what you might desire. That's probably why we can also maybe sometimes laugh at it when we see someone in the movies and they meet someone and they want to impress them, so they lie about their job and even though they work a very lowly position, they act as if they have a very high position. Job shame can be something that sets you back. But what about when it comes to your religion or some aspect of your faith? It happens. Maybe a Christian even could become embarrassed of some part or aspect of their faith so they might hide it or they might try to talk differently about it as if it didn't happen or doesn't exist. That's the same thing that happened to a man, as we read in Mark chapter 8, who was embarrassed about his discipleship and who he was following and what lay ahead but today we see how our religion is like no other. And we suffer without shame. And we'll look at Mark 8 today and see how Jesus turned that man's ideas completely around. Peter was that man, ashamed to at one point see the path that his job was on. Peter and the other 12 were full-time workers training under Jesus to serve him and to be apostles. And up to this point, everything was going great. They, they had nothing to be embarrassed about. They were following the one who had done miracles, the one who the crowds were longing to see and were praising. Jesus had showed his power over the storm. He had shown his 
complete control and authority by healing those who are sick, raising the dead. Following Jesus was a pretty high position. And Peter proudly confessed that just before our reading as he says just who he's following. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But Peter evidently didn't understand exactly where his path was headed. And so Jesus spoke very clearly to him about what lay ahead. And Mark records for us Jesus mentioning something very openly now. He says, He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. Then Mark adds, he spoke plainly about this. Now, Jesus had mentioned this before. He had alluded to it, and certainly the prophecies spoke of it. But here, Mark notes that Jesus now very openly and plainly tells them he's going to suffer, be rejected, and die. Now, you can imagine for Peter, this seemed to catch him a little bit off guard. He had gone from following one who was praised by the crowds to one who was going to be rejected by the leaders of the people. From one who showed his power and authority over death, who would be going to die and suffer. A man of accolades to a man of sorrow and rejection. That's the path he was on. See, for Peter, I'm sure this felt like more than a job loss. This probably felt like a complete turnaround of his position from the highest position to the lowest. He was following the Christ, the Son of the living God. Or is he following the man of sorrows to be rejected and to die? Jesus had made it very plain. And so Peter decides he's going to have a conference with Jesus, pulls Jesus aside, and it says he began to rebuke him. Jesus, in turn, rebuked Peter in the harshest terms. He turned towards Peter, facing the other disciples, and said to him, Get behind me, Satan. Why? You don't have in mind the things of God, but the concerns, merely human concerns. A pretty harsh rebuke. But that's the way it is. There are times when there are people who will think that their discipleship is on some grand path and there are preachers who will be telling them that their life with Jesus will be filled with success and with happiness and then when they find out it's just the opposite, they're in for a shock. So those false teachers who tell people that following Christ is like every other world religion, it promises ordinary temporal happiness right now. They need to be sharply rebuked because they couldn't be further from the truth. Following Jesus is nothing like that. And it's the same for us when, when we begin to think that following Jesus ought to be filled with joy and pleasures and that things got to go well because we're following him. We need to be reminded that is actually the plan of Satan. Jesus told Peter, get behind me, Satan. Because it's Satan who wants us to believe that message. The message that you deserve only to have comforts and praise. Satan desires that believers, at the first sign of trouble in following Christ, will shrink back and will no longer confess him or follow him. 
Satan desires that believers will think following Christ is only about happiness and, and when things strike like it did for men like Job, that we fall back and curse God and turn aside from following him. That's why this rebuke of Jesus is so necessary, not only for the false teachers of today, but for ourselves when we begin to think that following Christ cannot and should not involve suffering or we turn aside because of suffering. Peter would actually do that. Peter would follow Satan's plan as he had the opportunity to confess Christ but decided to deny him. And there Peter stood at one of Jesus' most darkest moments and Peter would say, I don't know the man. I don't know the man. I don't know the man. And he would deny the Christ, the son of the living God, the man of sorrows, because he didn't want to suffer. He would deny the glorious Son of God. Thank God that we have a Savior who did not pull aside from suffering. He pulled his disciples together and he wanted the crowds to also hear this. He invited the crowds around with his disciples to hear him say what discipleship meant. He said, if anyone wants to follow me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. You want to follow me, Jesus said? Deny yourself. That means forget about me, my own interest, my own comforts, and think about the plan of God and what is good in God's sight. And to take up your cross is a term Jesus uses to refer to suffering, but here especially suffering that comes when you follow Christ. There will be times when we bear suffering because we are disciples. And that can happen simply because of the confession we make. Someone might cause some suffering as they say, it's not so much that you have to hold on to what you teach. Don't worry about that. Just give in a little bit. Or the world might mock and it might scorn those who follow Christ and say, why are you so holding on to your petty teachings as if they're so important? Why can't all Christians just get along and pretend that we all agree and believe the same thing? Your silly fellowship practices are ruining everything. And it means bearing a cross for the sake of the truth in a wicked and adulterous generation. And denying ourselves and bearing our cross can mean living out a life where we bear that cross. Can you picture the parent who's tempted to allow their child to just watch whatever media, listen to whatever music they want? Because then they'll be the cool kid, right? Then they'll fit in and they won't be standing out. In what ways are you tempted to just step aside a little bit from following that long procession of believers, setting aside your cross and all suffering and avoiding shame because of the gospel? Jesus did not. He not only invited his disciples to bear the cross and to follow him, but he never stepped aside from avoiding his path. The plan of God was that the son of the living God would be rejected. And he was. Hail, king of the Jews, they said as he hung there in mockery and they scorned him as he died. But he fulfilled God's plan for you and for me. Jesus said he must suffer many things. He must do this for the sake of sinners and he must do it for your sake and for mine. 
even for those who denied him. And Jesus continued to go on to the plan of God because it doesn't merely end with shame and suffering. Peter would later write in one of his letters, but if you should suffer, do not fear what they fear, for you suffer for the sake of Christ. Peter came to understand the full statement of Jesus and the full plan of God. It doesn't end in shame. It ends in glory. Those who follow Christ will find the Son of the living God fulfilling what he said on the third day rising again. And what Jesus clearly, plainly says here, he will come again in glory with the glory of his Father and all of his angels. You see, every other religion, every other faith, tries to avoid suffering in this life. But it ends in shame forever. Jesus says, if anyone is ashamed of him, ashamed of him and his gospel in this wicked and adulterous generation, he will be ashamed of them when he comes again. Every other religion that rejects the cross and the suffering of Christ will end in shame. But not those who follow Christ. For them, they will have the glory of Christ when he comes again. The living God who rose and conquered death and they can join with all the saints who followed that procession of the cross, knowing Christ suffered for them. They can bear their crosses. They can, like Job, as they face the greatest depth, say, may the name of the Lord be praised, because they know they will live, and their Redeemer lives. And you and I have a religion like no other. Yes, it, it will include suffering, it will include shame and at times the world will look down on you and the devil will want you to turn aside from that path. But it doesn't end in shame. It ends in life and in glory with our Lord. So we know we have a faith like no other. We suffer without shame. Amen. <laughs>